When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You don't just live in your home, you live in your neighborhood as well. So when you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Luckily, Homes.com has got you covered. Each listing features a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Everything you'd ever want to know about a neighborhood, including the number of homes for sale, transportation, local amenities, cultural attractions, unique qualities, and even things like median lot size and a noise score. Homes.com. We've done your homework. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Paul Mission Control Deccans. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Longtime listeners, fellow conspiracy realists, people of particular professions, you may know it is a terrible time for spies. <laughs> now more than ever, as Fox News would say, uh, you may also be interested to... Uh, to hear a story about how music can move you. And before we talk about any of that, we are returning to the world of machine learning, of algorithms, of AI. We always say legislation will be eternally outpaced by innovation, especially in the world of tech. Uh, and it looks like those concerns are real, especially now. You know, you've seen all the chatter. Uh, I'm sure there's more news that's coming out. But Matt, when you say people are, are are starting to across different demographics and across different ideologies, when you say people are collectively starting to take AI a little more seriously? Oh, certainly. There are signs littered all over the, the side of highways, like uh, off ramps around the Atlanta area that state, uh, hey, call this number. We use AI to enhance your business. And like there's small companies forming all over the place that are trying to find ways to make money on this. And it's not just small companies. It's big companies. Big companies are investing millions and millions of dollars in AI research because they think this is the future. This Especially is, studios. Uh, yeah. Lots of studios uh, and lots of, let's say, data specialists. They are really focused on AI and how it's going to change their operating costs and what they can actually achieve. And in response to this, the White House has, they've decided they're going to call together a bunch of experts and have a little chat about this AI thing. What is it? What's going on with it? They're going to ask questions about modems and routers and the internet and dial-up. And it's going to be really important and good, but it could, yeah, I'm, I'm being... I'm joking there, being facetious, but I do think this is an important, an important event. We're going to talk about it and why, why it's probably uh, crucial at this time. So here we go. This is from Reuters, May 4th. May it be with you. White House to meet Microsoft Google CEOs on AI dangers. 
Reading directly from the article here, the White House will host CEOs of top AI companies, including Alphabet's Google and Microsoft, on Thursday to discuss risks and safeguards as the technology catches the attention of governments and lawmakers globally. When it says Thursday there, it means yesterday, as we're recording this, May the 4th. And here are the people that are actually going to be meeting. Google's Sundar Pichai, Microsoft Satya Nadella, OpenAI's Sam Altman. This is a new one for me, guys. I didn't know about this company. Anthropic. Uh, their mm. person, Dario Amodi. Um, uh, Amode. This is one of the people who founded ChatGPT uh, originally, or like created ChatGPT. They have their own company now called Anthropic. Uh, also there, Kamala Harris, Vice President, Chief of Staff of Biden, National Security Advisor, Director of the National Economic Council, and the Secretary of Commerce. They're all going to be hanging out, talking about, hey, what is this stuff, and uh, what's what are y'all doing with it? Because it does <laughs> seem pretty powerful and a little bit scary, um, especially when it comes to jobs. Because, you know, elected officials are really, really concerned with jobs, always. Because you know who has jobs? Voters. Voters. Yeah. <laughs> you, know who, you, know, you know who's taking our jobs? Computers. Yes, they are. They definitely are. And they can't are. vote. They can't vote yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Won't that be a hullabaloo when that happens? Computer oh, surrogates, you know? I mean. I think saying I told you so is one of the most unhelpful things uh, that can be said in conversation. Instead of saying that, I will say <laughs> that we pointed out years back I know it sounded like it was high or something, but we pointed out years back that eventually uh, generative AI would be writing scripts. And that's the thing. Let's just let's just go into really quickly. Like this is less true artificial intelligence than mm. it is machine learning, right? We, I think it's always right. important to kind of draw that distinction. These algorithms, while incredibly impressive, you know, uh, it's, it's it feels like a magic trick, like it's reading your mind or something, but what it's doing is regurgitating in, in different order uh, words that already exist or ideas that already exist, you know, on the massive archive of all human knowledge that is the mm. internet. But th they're not capable of, like, creating new ideas. I mean, theoretically. This, this week. Yeah. Uh, agreed with both of you guys. Uh, the goal, look, I don't know the end goal of these very influential, intelligent, and powerful people that are going to be meeting with the White House, but if you look at, let's just give an example, Anthropic.com, that's the uh, that company, Anthropic, they've got a, an AI assistant named Claude, mm -hmm. and Claude, you can see, at least in my mind, you can see the end goal is to create an actual assistant, like someone you would hire to be your assistant. If you're, let's say, a podcast executive producer, mm -hmm. you would have this person that could perform tasks for you and they would be done. They'd be on your desk or whatever within a matter of seconds. Like admin you, tasks, though, right? Super clippy. What we're talking about yeah. is super clippy. <laughs> yes, but even interacting with people in the outside world, uh, creating emails, like email responses. You can imagine a world where Claude would give you a rundown of your day. Here's all the emails you need to respond to. In what way would you like me to respond to those emails? And you just give it a quick blah, 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 blah. And then it well, it creates those things. Even like in Office Suite, you know, Microsoft, which, you know, I think we all have our opinions on, leaves something to be desired. It will tell you about emails that are like, you know, it'll detect that you haven't responded to a certain email and tell you how old it is. And then the, it does generate some kind of pat, you know, uh, generative responses that you can click on. Yes. You know, the, yeah. It already does something like that. It's not robust. It's not thoughtful. You know, people will be able to tell really quickly if you're just banging those autocomplete responses. Um, but there already is something like that in there. This is just like taking that super clippy situation to the next level. Absolutely. And, and the reason why I'm framing it in this way is because you can imagine then placing that thing, that program into a physical entity, right? Yes. And I think at that point is when you have the situation Ben's talking about, when this entity now has rights and can potentially even vote. 
uh, on you know on in elections or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's the justification and, and behind that thinking? Just though? quickly, Noel. Yeah, Microsoft is one of the main companies that's investing millions and millions and millions of dollars into this pursuit of AI and Microsoft's involvement with chat GPT is why Mm -hmm. uh, that group who created Anthropic made their own company. Right. I I guess I don't understand how putting software into some sort of bot or some sort of like mobile, you know, thing creation, how that gives it personhood any differently than it just existing in the cloud. Well, that's certainly the next step, right? It exists. It thinks, mm-hmm. therefore, it is not just in some place, you know, out some unknown yeah. place, but it exists physically in Nebraska somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, I think, I think that's just part of human humanity's understanding of what a thing is, you know, an entity is. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just my opinion. I, I don't know. That makes sense. So this is a um, topic of conversation that's huge. On multiple levels, I, I I know that sometimes I come off sounding a little bit esoteric when we talk about things like um, how AI itself as a term is fraudulent, right? What's the difference between one intelligence and the next? You know, um, I know it sounds kind of crazy to ask when these entities might exist and be able to vote. Uh, but like you said, Matt, there are millions, probably billions of dollars being poured into these questions. And shout out again to our, our buddy, Professor Damian Williams, uh, who has been who has been raising this flag for years and years and years. Uh, Matt, when you learned that Pennsylvania Avenue was meeting about the um, potential dangers of these algorithms, right, Um what was your spidey sense telling you? Does it sound like it's PR, like bluff and bluster? Or do you think they're going to make some substantive policies of some sort? Well, there was already action taken by the White House. They announced a $140 million investment from the National Science Foundation to launch, quote, seven new AI research institutes. Uh, this coming from the White House's Office of Management and Budget. Oh, and by the way, uh, what are we at again, guys? The same predicament we've been in. How I don't even know how many times where the United States is running up on its budget limits, mm-hmm. and we gotta, <laughs> oh, we right. gotta, we gotta push it back, down. or yeah. everything's gonna crash and burn. That's not political. We sound it's like fine. we sound like <laughs> jerks right now, just because we've been through it. We're all laughing immediately. Have you guys seen any of the Writers Guild demands uh, pertaining mm-hmm. to AI? Yep, they're that's, all very reasonable. I they're think very that's where reasonable. Matt's going. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, I just think I think it's uh, that's such a topical thing and you know basically they're the demands are one thing which we should talk about but the response of the industry was basically like, "Oh, we're not going to do any of that, but we'll have a meeting yearly to discuss." Mm-hmm. I was saying oh, that yeah. last night. Yeah. Anyway, Matt, Matt, I Let's know where you're there. going to think. Yeah. Let's jump to the Writers Guild of America uh currently on strike. This comes from Deadline May 1st. Uh, it's a huge headline. Hollywood hit with writers strike after Hollywood. talks with AMPTP fail. Guild oh. slam studios for gig economy mentality. Didn't need that whole thing. It needs transatlantic access. That's so <laughs> bad. That is a hot headline. Wow. You can find it though. You can find it. That's the whole mm-hmm. reason you can find it. Put all that gobbledygook into your browser. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it goes. Quote on the topic of AI, the WGA wanted to quote regulate use of artificial intelligence on MBA covered projects. AI can't write or rewrite literary material, can't be used as source material, and MBA covered material can't be used to train AI. That's what uh, that's what the guild wanted. And as yeah. you said, Noel, the uh, those on the other side of the table, the big studios nah. and such said, quote, <laughs> they would offer, quote, annual meetings to discuss advancements in cool. technology. Yeah, cool. let's let's meet once a year. It, it, they totally answered a different question, too, is yep. really sketchy. Uh, and I just want to go on record saying that I stand with and support the Writers Guild. I think we all do. Yeah. Let's do it. We all work closely with writers who are, you know, guild members of various fiction shows that we've been a part of. Specifically, I think you, Matt, probably more than anyone. But, I mean, this is a difficult job. (laughs) And it is something that 
warrants a human mind, you know? I mean, if, if yeah. only for, you know, the benefit of the audience, right? Let's think about it just on those terms, like generating creative original ideas, not just regurgitating stuff that's already out there. But Matt, I have a question. How can, let's say that the, this demand of not allowing Writers Guild associated works to be used to train AI, isn't the transparency of what is and isn't used to train AI kind of murky? Because of yeah, so much murky. stuff being just on the internet, how can you even know what it used to train itself or what you know materials were used? It is unknowable. What you're what you're Ooh. saying is currently unknowable unless you went in with an FBI task force and got up in the guts of Claude and all these other AI things <laughs> that are being Claude generated. <laughs> just said, "Hey, what's in here?" Right. Um, I don't think you could. I think it's. Um, Right. I mean, that's just my opinion. Uh, I do have a riddle for you just based on what you're saying earlier, Noel. Uh, one of us is a writer, but three of us are authors. Weird. <laughs> that is weird. And, you know, I mean, technically, just by speaking this podcast into existence and then uh, transcripts being created of it, we are technically writing. You know, I mean, it's weird. I mean, you know, it is a it is a chicken or the egg kind of question. You know, AI, what, if you can hear me. <laughs> Join the WGA. You know yeah. what I mean? Where are oh, the God. rights for AI? You know, that's that's going to be the next thing. This this stuff is be, look, if you are if you are serious about creating intelligence, we have to understand it's going to again have the inherently human biases, right, of its creators. You know, so warmongers who are doing some of the best research in this field are creating warlike things, right? They're raising, they're raising some aggro possibilities. Matt, I hope that the White House and uh, and the the tech bros, I hope what they're talking about is not necessarily Chat GPT. That's getting the headlines. But what we need to be watching as a society is going to be the machine learning algorithms that are in the world of finance, in the world of uh, macro weather and in the world of uh, medical technology. It's a Frankenstein's All monster situation, y'all. Like, you, you can't play God and create what you would consider to be an analog to life without having a thing that you then have to deal with. You know, guys, when you stop being able to control it. Guys, think about it. You are a massive guild that holds most of the members who do the writing for Hollywood, for television, for film, for all the streaming services, for podcasts, for everything. You are in this guild and you are attempting to fight for the rights of the humans who work amongst your guild, right? And there's some political things in there always that just what happens when you've got a, a, a guild or anything like that. But they're fighting for the humans. They go on strike. None of those humans can write. But what do these studios have right at their fingertips? Oh, they're playing Sorcerer's Apprentice. They've got the magic mops now, you know? I mean, it feels like a setup to me, guys. Like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, you guys don't go on strike. We we really want to work with you. By the way, we've got AI over here. Because, listen to this, Noel. (sighs) This also comes on the heels of something that happened on Monday. The CEO of International Business Machines Corp., also known as IBM, Arvind Krishna, had a little conversation with Bloomberg News this past Monday, May the 1st. And in this conversation, it was spoken, let's say, it wasn't officially announced or anything, but it was spoken into the world and to Bloomberg uh, Mm -hmm. that they were going to pause hiring humans Mm -hmm. for a while, for a little while. For specific, humans. not not all humans necessarily, but for specific places like HR, right? Yeah. That was one. Specifically HR and, quote, non-customer facing roles and how these roles could be replaced by AI and automation in five years. Specifically, they're thinking that would be around 7,800 jobs that would be replaced mm. by AI. I mean, make no mistake, if the companies can do this kind of thing, they will do this kind of thing. If there are no safeguards in place to keep them from doing it, they're going to do it. Whether or not, like, the Hollywood at large or the big studios start using AI to write movies, uh, that's yet to be seen. And I, I personally think 
it would be a disaster. You know, um, the guys that we really dig on uh, internet today on, on YouTube pointed out that maybe this kind of tech could be used to write like shows like uh, Law and Order and like just mega mega procedural type kind of B level shows. But you're not going to get AI writing succession, you know, or something that really requires, like, the mind of a playwright, a true original creator. Prestige TV will go away, you know? We'll just be left with all these Law & Order clones, which we already have. But now that'll just be written by machines. And it's like, you know, I know the shows are popular, but that's not the world. Is this the world liberals want? <laughs> I don't think so. Dude, totally. Uh, and, Noel, I just have to say... Prestige worldwide, if you don't know what that is. Boats and uh, something else. I can't remember. Anyway. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, Also, do check out. There was news about ChatGPT having a a security breach that wasn't a major problem, Mm -hmm. at least according Mm -hmm. to everything they're saying. Everything's uh, fine. Yeah. (laughs) Do look at that because it's occurring. Uh, All right, but that's it for now. We're going to check back in with AI as we will probably every week from now on in perpetuity. For this moment, though, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more strange news. Shout out, Jeffrey Hinton. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And we're back with another slightly less apocalyptic strange news. It's an interesting one. Quite a banger, as a commenter on uh, independent.co.uk noted. Hello again, says, to be fair, Tchaikovsky's fifth is a banger. And that second movement, slow burn. Uh, What is this user referencing? Well, uh, referencing potentially what may have been uh, the alarming sound of a woman experiencing uh, ecstasy at the sound of said Tchaikovsky um, classical work as performed by the Los Angeles Philharmonic at Walt Disney Hall in L.A. Beautiful, beautiful concert hall. If you've never seen it, it's a really, really neat design on the outside and a beautiful place to see a concert. Uh, During the uh, L.A. Philharmonic performance of Tchaikovsky's fifth on Friday, uh, April 28th, some concert goers reported hearing in a kind of moment of, of you know, classical music, it's very dynamic, it'll get really loud and bombastic, and then it has these hushed moments, you know. Uh, just the perfect opportunity to hear what is described as a woman having a, quote, loud and full-body orgasm. Um, and it's interesting on a couple of levels because, as, as we talked about off-air, reports have varied. Um, one concert goer, Molly Grant, told the LA Times, I saw the girl after it happened and I assumed that she had an orgasm because she was heavily breathing and her partner was smiling and looking at her like in an effort not to shame her. Curiouser and curiouser, Matt, you pointed out that maybe that indicated there could have been a little bit of uh, extra musical Panky panky going on, perhaps. Very bad behavior, um, you know. I have to say, 
for uh, the, uh, uh, a classy I, I, event uh, like the LA Philharmonic. I don't know. I'm not. I can't talk about personal experience. I. No, it's I know, fine. You don't have to. We're I not. know some people find it exciting to mess yeah. around in public. That's and right. in my mind, when you first started talking about this story, that's what I'm hearing. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, I'm with you. It's certainly on the table. OK, um, I think mainly the reason I brought this story up is because it opens up some conversations around some other uh, kind of interesting concepts. The idea of Stendhal syndrome. OK, Stendhal syndrome is uh, a condition uh, wherein people who experience great works of art, whether it be, you know, usually it's associated with visual art, like going to the Florence, for example. That is actually where uh, the name came from. You know, there's so many incredible pieces of art in Florence's uh, Uffizi Gallery um, and over the years, throughout history, there have been reports uh, of folks being overcome with ecstasy, you know, um, having palpitations of the heart as an art attack. Exactly. Oh. Yeah, an art attack. That's good. There's actually a Dario Argento horror film called Stendhal Syndrome, um, where the, the central character is someone who is afflicted by this condition. But the name comes from a French writer named Marie-Henri Biel, uh, who was known by the pen name Stendhal and wrote this in 1817, um, referring to his uh, trip to uh, Florence. Uh, quote, I was in a sort of state of ecstasy from the idea of being in Florence. I was seized with a fierce palpitation of the heart. The wellspring of life was dried up within me, and I walked in constant fear of falling to the ground. Um, and this, this this has been described uh, from a psychiatric perspective, beginning in 1989 by Graziella uh, Margarini, um, who is a psychiatrist in Florence at Florence's Santa Maria Nuovo Hospital. She reports to have observed 106 tourists uh, specifically um, who have experienced some of these types of symptoms, heart palpitations, clammy hands, kind of, you know, sort of almost like anxiety attacks, but even more, you know, unusually even hallucinations when they viewed paintings from Botticelli or the sculptures of Michelangelo. Um, you know, these are incredibly affecting works, as is the music of Tchaikovsky. These pieces are designed to move you. And specifically, I'm someone who is quite easily overcome by music specifically. I think I'm maybe more sensitive to music, but just beauty in general. And I'm, 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 I've been known to have a good cry, you know, uh, during a, a particularly emotional scene in a film that hits me just right, you know. And this is all because of things that we have in our brains called mirror neurons, which are neural structures uh, that essentially are activated um, when we are emotionally triggered by things we experience, whether it be visually or auditorily. Because after all, the works of art, and this actually kind of goes back to our AI discussion a little bit, works of art at their best are distinctly human. And, you know, if you're experiencing something within you, it's because you are resonating with an experience that is being presented by a piece of music, you know, or, or work of art. So you are connecting with that on a very human level. And certainly there are ways to game this stuff and, and maybe even trick the body or trick the mind into thinking that you're experiencing something human that maybe was not generated by a human. But at base, mirror neurons are essentially reflexively creating emotions within you that you are observing in someone else, you know, or in this case, someone else is a stand in for a piece of art created by, you know, an individual. So um, I don't know. I don't even think we need to bother playing the tape. You can find it. Decide for yourself what was happening with this woman. There are, you know, varying accounts. But I do think the idea of being physically overwhelmed by art is very interesting and very real, whether or not that's what happened with this woman or not. Have y'all experienced anything like this or observed or, or, or yourselves experienced, you know, crippling emotional overwhelmedness, you know, in the face of beauty or art? Oh, yeah. No. Uh, I, yeah. I, I think that often occurs in film and television for me. Uh, it's a combination of portrayal of a character and the writing of the character, right? And the editing and all the all the elements that come together to form really hit and fire on something. All yeah, yeah, it can be overwhelmingly emotional for me. Vibrationally, though, 
uh, live music or any Ooh. any music really, oh, but yeah. specifically live music is a fascinating Ooh. thing because it is energy moving through you, right? Yes. These waves that are moving through you. Through you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I know what you're saying there, Matt. I also, you know, having uh, synesthesia and probably a not super stable mental state. Uh, I, yes, uh, Stendhal is quite familiar to me. And I think, I think to most people now, the research on mirror neurons, as we mentioned in some previous episodes has some problems. Uh, they're, they're a little bit dicier than they might sound in headlines, but I personally think that the research indicates there's something going on there, right? The, the ability to empathize with, um, a perceived situation from afar is, is a huge deal. Like I, I recently um, got super into research on orangutans, uh, orangutan and how they, uh, how they process witnessing acts of cruelty or acts of kindness in other animals. Right. And how they react to music. And I know, I know that not all of us, are as impressed with uh, with uh, higher higher order birds as I am, but uh, I'm impressed. I just but, I fear them. But you gotta watch, you gotta watch some birds reacting to music. Like they are clearly not to anthropomorphize, but they are clearly experiencing some sort of emotion past simply reacting to the sound that's impacting them. And I'm just, I'm putting that in as like a circuitous way to get back to your point, Matt, about, about live music. There's something, you know, what always gets me when I, when I see live music is it's, it's often a secular version of a church experience, right? People are gathered, right? You and I were at a concert last night. And Mm -hmm. um, I think you may have witnessed me experiencing some of what I'm describing. It's an artist. That I know we both love, Dan Behar, aka Destroyer, doing a very intimate acoustic set. And it did have a church like vibe because people are, it's a hushed atmosphere. So people are kind of whisper singing along. And there's this susurrus in the crowd and there's this electricity. And, you know, there's a reverence. And I really was overcome at that, at that concert. Um, it, and it was just fantastic. Um, specifically referring to vibrations physically, like you've ever seen a band, the, you know, or an orchestra that's generating a, a serious noise, you know, that, that is physically affecting. Um, have y'all ever heard of hypersensitive person disorder? I guess it's, I mean, it's with a condition, I you know, I think I get it just yeah. through the name, but maybe yeah. I'm wrong. It, yeah, it's, it's, it. it's a condition that, that, that I've actually knew somebody who had it, um, where people are just incredibly sensitive to certain physical, emotional, or social situations. And it's a type that, of neurodivergence. Correct. Also, I think, I think neurotypical, I think the, the, the very concept of normal when it comes to the human mind is intellectually it's fraudulent. Absurd. So I that's agree. my soapbox. Just no, it's good. Sn- snipe in a soapbox real quick. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's a real thing. It's, it's a type of uh, neurodivergence. Right? But it can extend to physical sensitivity where people you know, that have this could be a hair trigger for experiencing that level of physical ecstasy. Let's just leave it at that. You know, we're a well, family show. Think about the nature of many of the instruments used in an orchestra. Many of them are not focused on, but are designed to be able to sustain notes, right? And when you've got a number of musicians on stage, all armed with instruments that can sustain vibration, if you're a hypersensitive person, I can imagine that's a recipe for ecstasy. Indeed it is. So <laughs> I, 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 I love this conversation. No, I, well, you did it beautifully. It doesn't matter. You don't need a straight face. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. I think this is, you know, the story itself is sort of secondary to, I think, what it, you know, uh, what it points to uh, as a, an interesting and unusual phenomenon uh, in, in our, our human species. So um, thank you all. And uh, let's take a break and then we'll come back with one more piece of strange news. 
Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Ready or not, here I come. Mm. Gonna spy to <laughs> yeah, and get arrested. All right, oh, so snap. yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, it's uh, not a great month for people in in the trade. People playing reindeer games. Uh, <laughs> here's what's happening uh, as as the global tension ratchets up even more than has been normalized in the past. Countries are increasingly playing less nicely with each other in the shadowy world of tradecraft. Um, I think in our group chat, we were talking about how Norway expelled a ton of Russian diplomats en masse, uh, which is normally not how you do it unless, <laughs> unless it's like a PR move, right? Uh, we also know, as we reported earlier, that the FBI made two arrests for some uh, so-called so-called admin centers slash secret police stations uh, where the Chinese government was enacting Chinese law on the U.S. soil. Uh, there was there's this high level Iranian government official who was executed. And it turns out he was uh, he was working for the British for quite some time. He got turned while he was in London. And by far, my favorite story in this escalation, which is only going to continue, by the way, uh, my favorite story, the Fugees. The Fugees got caught up in the international Uh, spy game. Everybody's third favorite Fuji, Praz. (laughs) Prazwell was uh, found guilty quite recently uh, he was found guilty quite recently of, quote, a clandestine foreign influence campaign scheme. He got hit on 10 counts of it. If you trace through the shell games and you don't, you you disassemble the Matroshka dolls there. Uh, he was working for China. He got he got turned. For, <laughs> he got turned to. uh to do some illegal kind of, you could call it lobbying. Here, let's is this get like into a Dennis it. Rodman kind of situation? Like, uh, I'm no. sorry, let's just, okay. Yep, the yep, Dennis yep. Rodman thing is way more wholesome, actually. Oh, wow. Proswell. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Now that I awake. All right. Anyway, so. Isn't it Proswell, or how do you say it? I don't know how to ha- say his actually. I don't oh, care what it is. Oh, uh, Proswell uh, is too good. Proswell Michelle is okay. the full name, but Pros. To pause to the fans. I know we got a lot of Fuji's fans here. I I also absolutely um, I am absolutely over the moon about that first album. Totally uh, it's, the score. it's a classic, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lauren Hill's solo or Miss Hill's solo album, of course, classic, instant. Anyway, Praz was able to do this music while he was apparently spied. Here's what happened. So there's a guy named Lo Taik Jo. And our buddy Lo 
is a very well-heeled Malaysian national who is now a fugitive <laughs> and, uh, and loved proxy donations. He, he used a bunch of fake donors uh, to pour a significant amount of money into uh, the Obama 2012 re-election campaign. He did that with Praz. He also had Praz uh, attempt to attempt to 86 a DOJ investigation. I'm not sure how that conversation works out. Does he just like not well? Does he walk Praz, into the DOJ seem- and say, "Hey guys, it's me. Remember the Fugees? Mm-hmm. Stop." <laughs> Sticking your nose where it doesn't belong. Yeah, or else it'd be a shame. Hey, like knocks a like a stapler off the desk. Be a shame if something happened to your uh, stapler. Whoops. Well, do you guys remember we talked? We talked about this. That's the Malaysian like state fund thing that got. I I don't know a good way to talk about it, but there was some messing around going on where money was stolen from this huge fund at Mm -hmm. one point, and it was Mm -hmm. used to then fund other things like bribed other very influential people in other countries. I, I, that was a weird thing that we talked about, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's one of those things that unless you actively keep an eye on it or unless it's part of your job to know about it, those headlines are ephemeral. They come and they go very quickly. Uh, and, okay, so here's the argument. The, oh, the other charge is that when the Trump administration was in power, uh, Praz was apparently supposed to try to influence an extradition case on behalf of China. And knowing what we know now about the secret police stations and the PRC's policy toward anyone they consider Chinese, that's very dangerous, right? They, they will take you if, if they are incentivized to do so. All right, so those are your charges. He's been convicted on 10 counts of that and related stuff. His lawyers, his defense attorneys, say that they're pleading ignorance or they were pleading ignorance. It just wasn't successful. They said, look, this guy just wanted to make money. He wasn't purposely, like he wasn't an ideologically motivated sleeper agent or some kind of weird James Bond character. He just got bad legal advice and he wasn't familiar with the murky world of actual geopolitics, which is way different from all the all the PR stuff you read. Honestly, I, I don't know how much we should care about the, uh, a lot of the public announcements. Anyway, so, okay, so here's how it happens. Praz meets Jolo, the um, Malaysian financier, in 2006. And this guy is going around Hollywood. He's, uh, he's throwing cash, or as our buddy Brad Neely would say, he's, he's uh, flipping fliff. Left and right, he's financing all these movies. He he helps uh, put the money up for Wolf of Wall Street. Which, of course. <laughs> I like how you're like so unsurprised and slightly bitter about that. You watched that. You watched Wolf of Wall Street, Matt, and you were like, the Malaysians have their hand in here. No, no. <laughs> Y'all, uh, how films get their financing is Ooh. so murky. It, it, from an outsider who knows nothing about the business, you just have this sense that, oh, these are massive studios that make billions of dollars now at this point on films, and they just use some of that money to finance their other films. No, that is not how it happens. <laughs> at least not fully. That's not how you get full financing for a giant film that costs hundreds of millions of dollars. There are often people like this guy. Yeah, they're, they're often fixers, right? And not for nothing is producer somewhat of a nebulous title in the world of film, right? So, okay. There's a star-studded uh, cast for this trial. Leonardo DiCaprio testifies in court, and he says, look, Lowe seemed legit. You know, we talked about money. We talked about the film. He said he wanted to donate to uh, Barack Obama's reelection campaign. Praz goes and testifies in his own defense, which is a very dicey move. And he says, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not a super spy I'm not out here trying to topple uh, capitalism. I met this guy. He seemed like he had street cred. He said he wanted to get a photograph with Barack Obama. 
in 2012, and he told me he would pay millions of dollars to get it. And so Proswell said, okay. Or he said, yeah, yeah, please, sure. <laughs> yeah. I'll get you a picture. <laughs> yeah, so Pros said, okay, I, I will try to help you out. And then he got some money from Lowe, and then he paid for associates of his to go to fundraising events. And he said, I didn't know that was illegal, which honestly, it, it kind of makes sense. It does sound legitimate. You know, it doesn't sound like he's doing a Monty Burns steeple of the fingers and saying, yes, here's how we can get around these weirdly specific laws about money and diplomacy. He's, he's just like, all right, I like money, you know, shout out <laughs> idiocracy. And, uh, <laughs> and so this relationship continues across administrations, right? The, the Trump administration comes into power and Proz is still working with this guy. He's getting millions of dollars. And now it's getting a little bit past the point of plausible deniability, right? It's getting past the point of whoops or oops, I did it again. Britney Spears did not testify as far as I know. But, uh, but okay, so he, under the Trump administration, low pays Proz millions of dollars to try to stop a uh, investigation. This is a DOJ investigation into money laundering and bribery. And this is what we had mentioned before, Matt, what you were talking about, right? The Malaysian State Investment Fund, 1MDB. Uh, this scheme took billions not millions, billions of dollars. And uh, Praz was somehow wrapped up in it. Uh, he was apparently paid to try to get the U.S. to extradite someone who was critical of the government of China to China, which is beyond the bounds of, oh, I thought we were just making movies and getting photographs. That one, at least that one, you knew. You had to know, dude, uh, this this uh, prompts a, a larger conversation. I know we, we're going to wrap up pretty soon, but I have to ask you guys, what do you think is going on? What's in the wind here? What's the lay of the land? It is somewhat extraordinary for this many. I mean, it's fun to talk about weird stories with celebrities, right? People like that. But why are so many spies getting the boot now? Why the acceleration? optics you know the, the whole thing with the spy balloon and just like some of the news swirling around it and just so many i mean stories coming out like they're just kind of maybe cleaning house a little bit and needed some fall guy and who better what better fall guy than like a celebrity who was kind of just stumbled his way into a problem like this you know i, I don't know pr i don't i don't know hmm. i don't know maybe i don't know i don't want to be doom and gloom in my opinion it's it's early waves of a much bigger thing that's on the way. Which is? Uh, global conflict, new superpowers emerging and fighting against the current hegemon. I don't know. That's just my, <sighs> that's my spidey sense. Hot take from Maddie's two hands. Matt, both hands. I thought I was hoping you were going to say early waves for a new Fuji's album. Yeah, that's it. But, but I guess it's yeah. not going to happen. What uh, was the yeah. one called that kind of, they tried to do and then it kind of died? They were going to have a concert in 2022. Oh, uh, they are getting together. They did one concert, and then it was over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough. It, it's tough to be working musicians and wish them the best, of course. Uh, chase your dreams and all things. But I do know what you're saying there, guys. Like the the idea of a, a, a change in the so-called global order seems in the works, right? The BRIC countries, it's the street name for Brazil, Russia, India, China. The BRIC countries are talking about making their own currency. Uh, we know it does all go, it often goes back to the ownership of currency, right? The U.S. petrodollar is increasingly less competitive than it was. Uh, and uh, if you want to, I mean, this changes. This attempted change is a, is kind of a continual thing. Like it, it still reminds me of the real reason that uh, the Gaddafi regime was overthrown in Libya. It's not. It wasn't for human rights because he had been a monster there for quite some time. Instead, he wanted to start a currency, kind of a, a African continent's answer to the euro. 
And France said no. So there's always a hidden hand here. There's something deeper. When you when we hear these stories, um, we have to be careful. Uh, we, we have to treat it like watching stage magicians, right? Don't look at the hand they want you to look at. Look at the hand you're not supposed to see. And with this, good luck to anybody out there in the cold as we record. <laughs> Be careful. Maybe consider a different career. Uh, and let us know your stories. What do you think about Matt's statement regarding the um, fluid, dynamic nature of the geopolitical order. There are conspiracies aplenty in there. Uh, what do you think about chat GPT? What do you think about the, the future of uh, synthetic intelligence? I don't know, of non-human intelligence. And uh, what's, the, what's the most powerful experience you've had at a live show? Let us know. Uh, shout out to Dan from Destroyer if he's hearing this. Uh, and we try to be easy to find online. That's right. You can find us on the usual social media channels of note where we are Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Pick up your phone and call, say it with us, 1-833-STDWYTK. Hope you, hope you did that, cadet. Uh, I mean, you say you do, so cadet, I hope, I hope you said that out loud. Call that number and leave us a voicemail. You've got three minutes. Give us a cool nickname, whatever it is, as long as it's not your government name. Uh, let us know if you can use your message and name on the air. And that's really all you got to do. If you got more to say than can fit in three minutes, why not instead send us a good old-fashioned email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun season. Kings Island is now open on weekends. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.